0: Hello, and welcome to the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts. For those of you who love to look at the game in microscopic detail, my name's Harry Brooks, and I'm joined, as always, by my co host, Richard Webster. Hello, Richard. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. You okay? I am far better than when we've done our first recording of this week's show on Thursday <laughs> evening. <laughs> to be fair, I don't want people to be going, oh, well, you're just this is a reactionary podcast after a good result, you're just, you know, biting here. Um today's podcast we're going to be discussing, we're going to get straight into it. Um we're discussing the narrative the Mourinho is finished. The title is Master Mourinho. And to be fair, we recorded this on a Thursday and I think we're going to say pretty much the same kind of things
1: we said on Thursday, aren't we? Same stuff, mate, same stuff. Obviously it's a slightly better result than than result yep. on Thursday. Um, so, you know, getting a win against your rivals is always good, but this is a subject we've spoken about for a while and, um, we're going to discuss whether, uh, Mourinho's outdated, his tactics are done and dusted, that kind of thing, which we're hearing a lot now from, uh, from pundits in the media, from fans, that type of thing. And I think we're going to look at it in a, in a balanced way and say, okay, can he still, um, can he still cut it as a, as a top manager of a, of a
0: top club? Yeah. Before we start, we do have to apologise that we are re-recording this week's, uh, episode for some reason Richard's connection it sounded like it was Vin Diesel on testosterone so we've tried to fix the connection and hopefully this week's podcast uh sounds much better than it did when we first recorded it but let's get straight into it so yes um I think even before we really joined Tottenham when he was at Man United there became a kind of a narrative that he was finished his tactics were a bit old-fashioned he was a dinosaur and for me um I personally think this is a lot of nonsense. And you are of a similar opinion, aren't you?
1: Yes, I am, mate. I think it's a really lazy narrative. I think it's been creeping in for a few years. Um, obviously, it started under Manchester United. Well, it started before that with um, with his second spell at Chelsea. Or let's say the second half of his second spell at Chelsea. Um, so that that's when it started to, to creep in. Then the perceived... Um, Perceived failure at Manchester United, which we'll come on to, because I don't think that is a failure. I don't think it could be classed as a failure. Um, and It's continued now since his appointment at Tottenham. I think it's unfair. I think it's quite a lazy, um, a lazy sort of easy judgment. So, and I don't think it
0: stands up to scrutiny. I agree completely. I think there's maybe two key areas. I mean, there's more, but there's two key areas where people seem to find the narrative that Mourinho is outdated. And that seems to be how he coaches attack and his man management. Um, and if we start with how he coaches attack, I think there's a big thing nowadays of managers that obviously, you know, they work on set patterns and routines. They don't give as much um, as much the chance. They don't tend to give their players as much freedom. They try to minimize um, as many tangibles as possible. So I think if you look at someone like Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, um, it's very structured, I think often regimented, and it's set patterns that are very, very clear what they've been worked on. And it's, you must do this at this time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there's still players' interpretation and freedom involved, but generally, it's set patterns and structure. The way Mourinho likes to coach attack is he likes to have more of a base structure, more ideas, and it's down to the player's interpretation on the pitch to make an attack work. He likes giving his players freedom. And I think that nowadays, people seem to think that unless you coach attack like you are under the root of set patterns, et cetera, then you can't coach attack. And I don't see why you can't be successful or you can be successful, but I don't see why people believe you can't be successful when your idea of coaching attack is to have a base structure, ideas, but you give a lot of freedom to your attacking players.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if you look at what he's got at Tottenham, he's got a he's got a proven out-and-out out goal scorer. Um, there's no debate in that. And then he's got uh, behind that, he's got a very good attacking unit that again is proven at a high level that has been successful for a number of years in um, delivering goals, delivering assists and um, creating chances in, in a variety of ways. And that's been added to as well with the um, the addition of Steven Bergvine So um, I, I think uh, p- part of the issue is um, the, the team, the team does need an upgrade in certain areas and people are, this is the, this is the problem nowadays with football people. It's knee jerk reactions. So, this is the narrative about Mourinho at the moment, but it's easy to forget, or people seem to have forgotten, this is a team that he inherited from Pochettino. Now, Pochettino achieved great things at Tottenham, but uh, people seem to have forgotten that when it ended, it was over. It was done. Those, those players had, uh, had stopped playing for him in the manner that they had previously. There were stories coming out that um, they were pretty fed up with the regime, or, or maybe that the regime proved a little bit, too intense, and uh, things it, had run... It, it ran its course. It ran its course. Yeah, things had run their course. They were 14th when he took over um, at Tottenham. Um, he's not had a uh, proper transfer window or any of that to uh, to get his teeth into the squad and make um, make all of the additions that he wants to. And, and still, yes, okay, it hasn't gone as well as we wanted uh, post, uh, post-lockdown post or whatever. He's still in an okay position, um, in eighth in a league at the moment. Uh, only a few points behind, uh, let's say, the top six. Um, and I think given time, he will prove that he's, he's still got it as a top manager and is, is capable of delivering results at uh, at Tottenham.
0: I agree completely. And I think it's, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And just because Mourinho maybe doesn't adhere to these set routines that some of the biggest sides play um, nowadays, then people seem to think, oh, well, he just can't coach attack. They seem to think that giving place freedom means that it's because you can't coach attack. Now, if you look at Mourinho's records and previous teams, you know, I remember when um, when he first, re- when he rejoined Chelsea, um, I think it was his second season when he won the league and he had the likes of, and he played really bold football, by the way. It was a four two three one. He had Matic and Fabregas as a double pivot. That's attacking already. And he had a front floor that would be made up of Costa at the top. And then it would be made up of, you know, Hazard, William, Oscar, then Scherler would come in sometimes, et cetera. And I remember that football being really beautiful combinations. Players had freedom. It was attacking. It was risky. Um, but again, the narrative of Mourinho, people didn't seem to accept that that was seen as attacking football. And Real Madrid, another previous former, um, another previous club he had, they broke the La Liga goal-scoring records. And people might say, oh, well, you know, it's Real Madrid. Of course, they're going to score a lot of goals in that league. They'd done that in a league when Barcelona were at their prime and he was the one that broke the goal-scoring record. Well, yeah, it's easy to
1: say, it's easy to say, oh, it's Real Madrid. Of course they're going to do it. Why hadn't they done that previously? So if he's the manager to have broken that record, then he's the manager to have broken that record. Well, well, so, well, why, well why, why didn't Pep's
0: Barcelona break that record then? They were yeah. really attacking. Why didn't they be the ones? But no, Mourinho was. And if you think that you can get side to do that without being able to coach attack, you're greatly mistaken. And even if we talk to take it, you know, this season at Tottenham, I've seen plenty of times when I think there's been clear ideas, freedom, of course, but clear ideas of one-touch combinations, vertical football, looking to go towards goal, attacking um, aggressive play, movement of the ball, rotations. Um, I've seen plenty of cases of that this season at Tottenham. Um, but I think people, un- they misunderstand how difficult it is to build a squad and to make a team that consistently performs to how you want to do it when it's not your side's. And you're taking over a team, as you've already alluded to, that was they were basically broken physically and mentally. And he's trying to put things in place. And then before lockdown, coronavirus, he gets injury after injury to key player. He then gets the coronavirus, which gives you a two or three month break. At what stage, and he also has the defence to fix, by the way, because it's a really unbalanced squad. At what stage are you supposed to work on attacking patterns or get your side to play really fluid attacking football? When is he supposed
1: to do that? It's also easy to forget um, certain areas of the team or, or, you know, we could talk about the team. A lot of people have said, oh, this is the team that made the Champions League final. But it's not. Um, A huge part of that side is Christian Eriksen. You know, this was, you could argue between him and Harry Kane, who's the best player at the club. Okay, but we're splitting hairs. Uh, Kane's obviously an an out-and-out goal scorer. Eriksen was the heartbeat of that side. Um, Mr. Consistent, a top performer, providing goals and assists, season after season, never injured, always performing at a high level. Now, it ran his course with Eriksen and he left and that's fine. And he did fantastic things for the club. We're grateful for it. The club haven't replaced that. Um, And Mourinho's come in and and supposed to achieve this uh, without a a really, really key player. So we've seen the difference one player can make uh, to a club. And we see this all of the time. The difference Bruno Fernandez has made um, since he's joined Manchester United—they are rejuvenated, they're galvanised. It has made Fred a better player. Uh, Pogba's performing consistently. The front three are now firing. So all of a sudden, from earlier in the season when Oli was uh, Ollie was you know a busted flush, he couldn't do it, shouldn't be at that level. But the stories at the time, that narrative was that he didn't have the level of coaching um, experience. To uh, coach a team and manage a team like Manchester United, that's quickly gone out of the window. After a really, really good um, run of results, uh, you know, there was a time earlier in the season when Lampard was out of his depth. Then that went away. Now that might be back because they've had a poor result. Yeah. All of these things look. Not one of these narratives is is um, is correct. They're all nonsense. What I'm yeah. saying is. Uh, Yes, that the the club uh, has, or the team, let's say, has some issues. It's a work in progress. Yes, some of the football has been, you know, sort of below standard, below what we'd expect to see. Um, But that can't be laid at the manager's door. That can't be laid at Mourinho. And it can't be made to be a part of this narrative that I hear this so often football has moved on or his tactics are outdated. I mean, this is the biggest load of nonsense ever. Football hasn't moved on. Football is, if you score more goals than the other team, you win the game. And there's more than one way of doing that. We all watch uh, teams like Atletico Madrid, and we revel in their success, and in their quality, and the way that they go about things. And they could never be categorised as swashbuckling. This is not, uh, you know, Keegan's Newcastle or uh, early years um, Chelsea where they were everyone's second favourite team or, or teams of this nature or, you know, one of the great Arsenal sides or the free-flowing Liverpool that we're seeing now or Barcelona, peak Barcelona with Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets. But it can be admired uh, in its own way. Yeah. So some of the things that we're talking about as being the, the keystones of success – for teams like Atletico Madrid, and even in our own league, uh, Liverpool and Manchester City, these things are built on hard work, intensity, uh, the work rate, discipline, shape, uh, structure. Those two teams, which we're now raving about, and rightly so, because they're the best two teams in the country, these are the things that Mourinho is trying to instill at Tottenham. He's trying to get back. So... I think he's far from done, and it's not just a reaction to this result. Good, good though it is, we might still end up finishing tenth. We might finish 9th. We might finish somewhere somewhere near the top six. It's not about that. I think uh, I think he's still got a lot to offer as a manager. I think to classify him as defensive or outdated is um, uh, complete nonsense. It's just a very very lazy way to go about things, and it's not borne out by what we see on the pitch, um, where where he's actually. To a certain extent, steadied this. Well, to to a large extent, steadied the ship. After Pochettino left, we weren't looking good at all, and um, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with a full season under him next year.
0: As am I. I think the Mourinho narrative has come from when he first came to England. To be honest, I think instantly after his mannerisms, the way he would be able to draw, um, you know, to to get results, he would be able to not obviously be pragmatic and and um, obviously win it ugly in a typical sense is what people would say. I think that instantly people labelled him as a, as a negative defensive manager just because he can do that, just because he can set teams up to be solid and defensively organised and disciplined. People seem to forget that when Mourinho first joined Chelsea, he wasn't a defensive manager then. He was just really, really good at coaching defence. Really, really good. But he was also good at coaching attack and he was also good at playing risky. I remember there was numerous occasions when Mourinho first joined Chelsea, they would play a 4 through 3 and they'd have the front three of, let's say, uh, Drogba, Robin, and Damian Duff. But then two of their three midfielders would be Frank Lampard and Edgar Johnson. Mm-hmm. That's not very defensive, is it? That's pretty risky in no. attacking. So I think it's just because, you know, of the, who he is as a character. And, um, you know, because he is so good at coaching defense, and he can close a game out to win 1-0 and 2-0, people label him instantly as that kind of manager, defensive.
1: Yeah, and I think... And it's- I-
0: I think it would be a sad it would
1: be a sad day if if that's seen and this is I don't understand how this is used as a stick to beat a manager with He's defensive. I think since Please, when was since I when agree. was that a bad thing?
0: Since I when agree. was that a negative? He's not defensive. That's my point. Yeah. He's really good at coaching defense. He's not defensive. He's coached attack brilliantly. I remember I think was it was it the Champions League semi finals? Um, when he was interim manager. Didn't he beat Barcelona three one in the first leg? And it could have been more, and then he decided because he's able to do it, and it was the right thing to do to close the game out at the Camp Nou, which he's done superbly with Inter Milan. But people choose to remember the second leg; they don't choose to remember the first leg. They don't want to remember that one because it doesn't suit the narrative. Um, so, no, I think he's an outstanding manager. The coaches both really, really well. I agree with what you're saying. I think
1: that, I think that this, look. If you were, if you were to say is he more one way than the other, then I think it's true to it's true to say that um, he's obsessed with winning.
0: Um, exactly. and- I'm glad you said that. I thought you were, I thought you were about to say maybe he's more obsessed with the defence. He's obsessed oh. with winning. It's results yeah. driven. If he has to open up and play more risky, he will do that. He will do that. But if he has to close the game out, as you said, he's results driven. If it gets to a stage where his team is 2-0 up and there is no need to push for more, he will close the game out. But as you've alluded to, is there any anything wrong with that? Well, we spoke we
1: spoke uh, a few weeks back we were talking a lot about the bundesliga obviously they were the first ones back we were watching a lot of german football as we do anyway um and we look at the two teams over there that are, that are one and two um historically as well so Bayern Munich and um, Borussia Dortmund now Borussia Dortmund get rave reviews for their swashbuckling style and they, they've got a really great forward uh forward line Marco Reus and and Jadon Sancho and Erling Haaland and all of these great players knocking around, scoring goals, flowing football. Yes, and they're perennial runners-up. They don't win. They are not winners. Um, whereas we look at Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern Munich uh, can steamroll teams. But when they play a team and, you know, this is a sport, you're playing against another team. The other team can play well. Yeah. Um, I think that gets forgotten sometimes where we expect Massively. big teams to just... You know, if a big team doesn't win against Everton away, all of a sudden it's a bad result. I'm like, yeah. you know, the, the other like team... It's, it's not easy. And the other team's yeah. allowed to win, you know. Uh, yeah. This, yeah. Is the nat- this is the nature of it. That's what happens. Um, but uh, the, the way that I see Mourinho is he's yeah. like Bayern Munich in that regard. Um, if you can go to Leipzig and win 1-0 away, he will. Borussia Dortmund will look good uh, but they're more likely to, to lose those games uh, that are the, the, the games that define the season.
0: If you know it could what I go mean. either way. It could go either way. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, they, they, I'm not
1: saying they're not talented, but I, I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand the narrative of him being defensive-minded. I think he wants to win. I think that's clear. And whatever game plan suits or, or will get to winning most easily is the one that he will employ. Um, and I also would hate to think that we would start to use uh, a defensive coach as a negative. I don't see it as a negative. Does every team have to play in uh, the mould of uh, Guardiola or, or what we see from uh, Liverpool and Manchester City? Wouldn't football be boring if we didn't have variety in what we see? I mean, Wolverhampton... Uh, have been fantastic this season. They don't play like Manchester City. Sheffield United just walloped uh, Chelsea 3-0. They don't play like Manchester City because they don't have the players uh, to do that one. Um, When they they have to, they're more than happy to be defensive to get a result. Um, I'm pretty sure Arsenal fans over the last few years, uh, when I've watched their team uh, under various managers, they've naively gone toe-to-toe with uh, big sides, still sort of really rigidly believing in this style and this philosophy. So, I've watched them over the last few seasons try and go toe-to-toe with Liverpool and it, it beggars belief. Whereas Mourinho would never do that one. So, You'll have them, they're rigidly sticking to their philosophy, and it's like, okay, you can get your brownie points for that because you're not playing defensively, you're playing the ball out from the back, you're playing with risk, you want to play flowing football. Yeah, and it's almost get, like losing that way as soon as it's accepted, isn't it? Well, but why? you're getting but you're getting wallop doing it because the yeah. other
0: team is better than you from one to eleven. Yeah. So why should that know, be more acceptable than uh, uh, than something yeah. else? Why is it okay to lose? Oh, but you're a you know a philosophical manager. And I'm not against philosophical managers at all we're not against what's what's, what's wrong with being pragmatic
1: what's wrong with having a game plan and saying okay my team my 1-11 to is not as good as Liverpool's 1-11 to so you know what I'm not going to go toe-to-toe I'm going to come up with a game plan that negates what they do I hear this one from managers all the time we're going to worry about what we do well (laughs) okay well they're better than you so you know they're probably going to win. Why don't you, the best managers, worry about what the other team are going to do? And they yeah. come up with a plan that negates them. That's pragmatism. And that's what I think Mourinho has in, in abundance. Um, yeah. Could he have done a better job so far? Probably. Uh, but to classify him as as uh, done or football's moved on, which is my favourite one, that just that just winds me up so much. Football's moved on. What a load of nonsense. Um, I think he's proving that wrong and I think he'll
0: continue to prove it wrong. I think there's an argument, and I've said this before, to say that actually a creative player, or that perhaps Mourinho allows to have more creativity from his individuals than, say, Pep Guardiola. Because what Pep Guardiola will do, he will say to players, and you can have a really creative player, but he will tell that player, this is your zone, this is where you play and live, and this is the actions you take. Now, is that that creativity, or is that basically paint by numbers? Now, I'm not knocking Guardiola. But what Mourinho will do is he will allow the creative players to interpret situations, give them freedom. So which manager will allow their players to become more creative, think outside the box, do things right. to interpret situations? I think there's an argument to say Mourinho, and that's not a knock on Guardiola, but I'm just saying, I think if you ask most people, well, who, which which manager allows creative players to thrive more, 99.9% will say Guardiola. But I would say, well, is that actually true? Is that actually true?
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's a really, really interesting point and a, and a good discussion point, perhaps for another podcast as well, because um, if, you, if you dissect the way the Manchester City play, and a lot of the big teams actually, um, but particularly them, uh, they are hugely successful at it, but I, I watch it sometimes and what I see is um, like almost like a, a beautiful um, structure, or a, a, a beautiful um, pattern that is that is, that is pre-planned. I mean, ex- executed to perfection. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but because the tools, the, the tools or the actors, let's say, uh, participating in this play are so much more skilled than a lot of their opposition, um, when it works, and it works often, more often than not, it is almost unplayable. Now, if that's creative or not that's a completely different discussion because yeah. I think what you're arguing I think your point there which you made is is uh is is certainly true that surely creativity doesn't come from um, a formulaic pattern or a pre a predetermined uh route right. let's say yeah. or um a set pattern of play surely creativity comes from um, maybe adjusting in the moment, or feeling feeling the game, feeling the um, allowing a person's or a player's like intrinsic um, quality or vision or feel for the game, or touch or, or awareness or whatever it is to come through in the moment in the game. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think and those types of players can be the most frustrating. So if, yeah. we, if, yeah. we, if we look at um, uh, the ladder, uh, Newcastle, San Maximum. Um, this, is, this is a really creative player. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, look, it, it, he's got wonderful attributes to him. This is creativity. And I'm not sure creativity can be coached. I think you can, you can harness creativity and I think you can encourage creativity, but I'm not sure you can coach creativity. And what I see from Manchester City and Liverpool, uh, Liverpool especially, are super functional. They're super, super functional. I don't think it would would be right to to categorize Liverpool as overly creative. Um, And I agree with you. I don't think it would be right to categorize Manchester City as overly creative. I think they have creative players who are excellent at carrying out specific uh, movements and patterns. Yeah. Yeah. but this is what we spoke about earlier. I, I I want to see all forms of the game. If that's yeah. defensive, then great. If that's pragmatic, then great. If that's direct, you know, some people would look would look um, look down on direct football. Since when was direct football a negative? Um, yeah. it, it's whatever gets the job done. And and yeah, to, to categorise him as as
0: done or um, past it, I think is is uh, way off the mark. I think it's important to be balanced um, in this argument. We're not we're not pro anyone. We're not negative anyone. We we work in the game and we just try to say it how we see it. And we're just more dispelling the narrative, a lazy narrative, which we think. But it is important to be balanced. And what I would say about perhaps Mourinho's tenure at Spurs so far is that where he does give a base structure and it's more idea. So if I just quickly go to this point, I was speaking to a former Chelsea coach the other day, a good friend of mine. And he was saying that Mourinho was actually a vehement, coach in terms of attacking, um, which didn't surprise me at all. Again, like we've spoken about already. Uh, but he said more so than perhaps any other manager he's ever seen work, which um, again is great, fine. Um, but what Mourinho might do is he was telling me like a, a thing he might do is, is more ideas. So he would say, for example, the number 10 would pick it up and he would work on the number 10 to give it to the striker and then run directly at the striker to sort of make him harder to tag, to pick up, make a running behind easier. Now, this isn't a set pattern. It's an idea. It's a structure. But it's down to the player's interpretation and the freedom within the structure to make the system work. And what I would say about Mourinho is that, okay, to have that system, you have to have players that are, first of all, of the technical quality and have very high level football IQ. What I would say is that perhaps some of Mourinho's favourites so far, maybe Lucas in particular, a fantastic footballer in his own right. I think he was outstanding today. But he perhaps doesn't have the football IQ or level of composure, being able to slow down and assess. The technical quality to be able to interpret situations where he's given freedom. I would even argue that um, Son doesn't have that. These are players that are fantastic footballers in their own right, but they prefer when the decision is made for them with no time to think. Um, so it does perhaps me a little bit why these players are favourites of Mourinho's, um, whereas maybe someone like Steven Bergvine, who's proven he has a very high-level football IQ, technically excellent, uh, perhaps aren't picked as often. Um, so if you're playing this style of football, it has surprised me a little bit why he's played these plays, And even Eric Lamella, how many times do we see him overrun the ball? Again, fantastic football in the zone right, but overruns the ball far too often, um, does too much. Um, it does surprise me, perhaps, that why Mourinho is setting out this style of football, Perhaps doesn't always pick the players to suit that style of football. My my
1: hunch on that, I agree with you. There is uh, certainly on Lucas. Um, Lucas has his has his skill set and his talents, and he's very very good at running at people, running into space, driving the team forwards. He's not good at slowing down and assessing and link up play, let's say. But that's fine. You know, there's not many complete footballers, so he he has his talents. I think uh, what we're seeing there is a manager saying, okay. Well, my job is to get now. I mean, previously was to try and get into the top four, almost impossible, considering we started at fourteenth. Um, now the job is: can we somehow nick top six, and um, you know, s- see if that's good enough if uh, for a, for your European place? And uh, he's going to do that. We spoke about his pragmatism. If he's going to do that, he's going to do that with tried and tested. So he likes the front three. He knows where he is with Lucas. He knows where he is with Son. He knows where he is with um, with Kane. And then underneath that, I think he's got a question mark, as you know, there has been anyway, over Lamella because of fitness and and uh, the, the level of impact that he can have. I like Lamella as a player, but I don't, I don't think he's a starter. Um, and uh, Bergvine as well, who's new to the club, new to the country. Um, perhaps not up to the speed of the Premier League, you could argue, not sure. Um, so I think in a, in a period where he you know, he can't really chop and change too much, he's got to go with what he's got and say, OK, this is what I'm going with. This is what I think uh, is what's going to get us up to the, towards the top six. I think he's going with what's tried and tested. I think long term, we might see that change. Um, and certainly some players will be um will be moved on now no doubt but i think that's the reason for that and i don't think don't forget this is this is half a campaign of um uh putting out fires as well um this is, yeah. this, is this is not a full campaign it's not a campaign where he's able to attack it with a proper preseason or with any plans on or any designs on on you know realistically challenging for the top four so i think he's just going with what's tried and tested there mate
0: My belief on that is perhaps that he's playing players like Lucas and Son and Lamella is because these are players that what they will give you is that when they're in the game, you can guarantee they're going to give you 100% mental and physical engagement, intensity, mental and physically um, throughout the whole game. We saw that from Lucas today. I think he made 10 tackles today, which is just insane. That's insane for a a wide player, attacking player, to make that many tackles. Um, And with those guys, and where... You look at Liverpool, for example, every single player in that side can cope with the mental and physical intensity throughout the duration of the game. If you look at Spurs, it's full of players that can maybe do one but not the other, or in some cases can't do either. Um, so to have players like Lucas and Lamella and Son, etc., that while they're on the pitch, can be 100% engaged and intense physically and mentally, throughout the duration of the game it's so, so important and we saw that yeah. today with Lucas so that for me is perhaps why he's gone down that route I think um, do I agree with it? Again I think that say say if we're looking at Stevie Bergwijn, um in comparison with Lucas I think that Bergvine can also do that but then again we're not working with Steven bergvine every day of the week um, so perhaps you can say differently um, but that's perhaps why I would say that but again I think it's 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 right to maybe question that from Mourinho, and you know question that. But again, that's part of football, isn't it? Everyone sees the game in their way, and you don't always understand it from the outside, do you? You don't understand everything that goes on in the inside. So well, and that um, and that, that leads on to what you were talking about with man management. I know he's been criticized well, yeah. well, let's, a lot with his yeah yeah. Well, let's get on to that then. Obviously, that was another thing that Mourinho has been heavily criticized for. I mean, I even saw one tweet. I, I don't, I'm not going to dig out the person because everyone's allowed to their opinion, and we all say things perhaps without thinking at times. But I can't even remember who it was to be honest. But he said that Mourinho basically completely ignores man management, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. "What? This is a man that has thrived on man management over yeah. his tenure." You look at players in previous clubs; they adore Mourinho. He's built a and he's built environments of clubs where it's us against the rest of the world. We're together here, boys, and we're going to go against the rest of the world. And you can't create that mentality. You can't create that winning mentality if you don't understand how these players think and work. Yeah, that, that's one of the things he got
1: criticised for at uh, Manchester United. There was a narrative at the time, oh, he can't work with Pogba. You know, the modern day player has moved on. It's a different animal, blah, blah, blah. Again, like we were saying earlier about football moving on, for me, this is this is a myth in football. Um, most of these guys have been working at this since they were very, very young, eight or nine years old. Um, so they've been t- trying to achieve their dream, which is what they live in now, which is to play professional football. These are professional athletes. Um, so I know on the outside, it's easy sometimes to say, oh, he's not trying, he's not working, He doesn't. he's not playing for the manager. Um, but... Th- th- by and large, these players are doing what they want to do day in and day out, and they yeah. love doing what they, they love doing this for a job for a profession. The vast majority of these, all the reports um, since then is that actually Pogba, and this is you know stated by by numerous um, people who've worked with him, is is a super professional guy. Um, yeah. and I think what you've just said there is, um, if Mourinho has um, one defining. Uh, feature of his man management is he wants to create winners he wants a team of winners and he wants to create an environment where winning is everything now that's not going to be for everybody that's some people aren't going to like that and some people aren't going to like the way that he goes about that and that's fine you're in a supercharged environment you're in a super competitive environment and the remit of the team is to win they get you know, as all of the managers do, ridiculously, they're under ridiculous amount of pressure. It's seen as a failure if they don't come in the top four, which is another point, completely bizarre considering we've got a league, we've got a super competitive league with at least six big hitters. So, um... And that's not accounting for teams overachieving like this season's Leicester, Wolves and Sheffield United. I think it's fair to say they've overachieved. Um, so without accounting for those, you've got six very big teams who would all say we should be in the top four. Well, that means every year two have to miss out. Yeah. So are we going to sack two managers per year or more yeah. just from just yeah. from the top six? So
0: is yeah. there's
1: that, there's that to throw in there as well? I think his man management is is perfectly fine, and and what is right when it comes to man management. So we've seen from Klopp and Guardiola. Well, you think Guardiola's uh, pussyfooting around uh, the modern player, or do you think Guardiola sets an environment where you have to win, you have to do it his way, and uh, if you don't do it his way, you're going to find out very very quickly. That's what I think is happening, and the of same course. we've we've seen with Klopp. Um, from the outside yes he has this persona he's a friendly guy he's gregarious he's great in interviews very charming very charismatic he is exactly like Mourinho exactly like all of the top managers he's a winner and if you're not toeing the line if you're not doing what you need to do he might not call you out publicly but the result's going to be the same you're not going to be playing for Liverpool for very long so I don't think he has an issue with man management I think some players have an issue with um becoming winners that's how I see it
0: well it's different it's different managing different attitudes isn't it um you know that everyone has their style and where Klopp won't call out his players publicly Mourinho will but is that necessarily the worst thing in the world to do does that automatically mean that you don't understand your players um if you look at I'm a huge fan of the work he's done this year um and he's a fantastic coach and this isn't knocking him at all he deserves every credit he's got but Chris Wilder yeah. Everyone you talk about with regards to Chris Wilder, they will say, What a manager. What a man manager. I love him. Yeah. He called out Dean Henderson quite vocally after he made a mistake, which is fine. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's the way he's, Chris he's, Wilder he's does called it. Out the,
1: he's called out the forwards as well. They've, they've drawn games that they should have won. He's called them out and said, the forward have to do better. They have yeah. to score those goals. We haven't won because the forwards haven't done their job. Simple as. And great.
0: I, I have no issues with that. That's fine. That's how you manage. And you are clearly getting good results from doing that. Whatever I don't think works. the
1: players would have an issue with that as well. No, it's not, exactly. It's not,
0: yeah. it's not arguable. Yeah. People seem to think that all of a sudden players are soft nowadays and they can't take it. A load of nonsense. A load of nonsense. Yes, they can take it. You can't get to the level they have without being able to take the criticism. But what my point as well is, is that, first of all, yeah, I think that's a massive disrespect to the players that all of a sudden, oh, no, he said this in public. Now my feelings are hurt. Now I don't want to play for him. Load of nonsense. Load of nonsense. You might get the odd character like that, just like you would in any walk of life. Um, but generally, load of nonsense. But my point more is that Chris Wilder gets praised, praised, praised for his man management and how he coaches his players and fully deserved. But when Mourinho called out and after the Burnley game, when he made zero sprints by the way, and I am and biggest fan. believe his yeah. biggest fan. Anybody, yes, that you are. Me knows yes, you are I Harry, I love him, but he did make zero <laughs> sprints in that game zero, yeah. not one. And Mourinho called him out. But when Mourinho calls players out in public, it's because he doesn't understand his players. That's the yeah. narrative, and that's what I don't agree with. You can't be one rule for one and one rule for the other. And going but, back what, to a point earlier about um, you know, the players um, maybe having issues, I saw an interview, um, someone sent me an interview the other day of um, of Marcus Rashford. and. He was kind of alluding to it how perhaps Solskjaer understands his players more because he played the game to a high level. And I think that is a load of nonsense as well. Um, to say that Mourinho doesn't understand his players because he didn't play the game to a high, high level is a load of nonsense. Ask Droba if he understood what he thought. Ask Lampard if he understood how um, if, uh, if Mourinho understood how he worked. Ask every player that's had success under Mourinho if they cared if Mourinho played to a high level. If you are disregarding Mourinho because he didn't play football to a high, high level, then that's more your fault, not Mourinho's fault. Yeah.
1: I don't think that's. I, I don't. I don't see any legs in that one. I think. Um, I think it gets characterized far too often as as a poor man management, or or in recent years it's been characterized as poor man management, and I think it's just unfortunately it's just it's two and two making five. Um, they see a perceived lack of recent success and I say perceived because I think he was successful at Manchester United um yep. we can argue about that I mean he won three trophies he won the he had either. failures
0: he did have failures but he wasn't a failure. there's a big big difference there in my opinion and look
1: which manager wins like has a constant stream of success year after year after year yep. so he's he's been characterized in this way as defensive I think we've already spoken about that. And, you know, for a start, we don't think he is. Secondly, what's wrong with being defensive? Um, the, the man management's come into question. Again, I think that's uh, that's that's nonsense about the modern player and everything like that. So I think it's just, I think our biggest issue is um, uh, really just in the lazy categorization and narrative yeah. around around not just him. He's, he's at the moment getting a bit of stick, but around all managers. So, you know, Roy Hodgson's seen in a certain way um, he's been super successful <laughs> the last few years with what he's done <laughs> yeah. at Crystal Palace I know they are on, yeah. on a particularly bad run at the moment I think they've lost five on the bounce might even be yeah six.
0: they're they're on a bad run but the,
1: the point still remains yeah they're up they're on a bad run but yet again he's kept them up so um <laughs> you know he's done a he's done a great job but there's a lazy narrative around him at the moment it's it's uh you know the in thing is to um, to to play like Guardiola, and that's seen as the be all and end all. I haven't, I'm yet to see his battering in the press. Um, and they're they're 21 points behind in the league um, with the team that won the league last season. So yep. um, you know, I, I just think all managers are, are, are lazily categorised one way or another. Um, I'd like to see them all given a bit more patience. Um, and actually, I, I think the variety that we've got in the league is is really really good at the moment. I think there's different styles. I think there's different um, different management styles. I think these there's teams are playing in different ways, and um, yeah, that, that's what I like to see from football. Spurs or no Mourinho or no, or others, I don't mind about that. Uh, I just want to see players and, and, and uh, managers categorized
0: fairly. Agree completely. After the break, we're going to be discussing other Premier League teams and their players. Don't go anywhere. So, Richard, um, I think it's important that we get away from Tottenham now and we talk about (laughs) some of the other teams and players in the league and some of the results. Um, If it's okay with you, I don't want to focus maybe on results or certain um, teams. I want to focus on two players in particular. Yeah. those players are Mason Greenwood and Christian Pulisic. Now, if right. I start off with Mason Greenwood, um, me and you, we work with young players um, all the time. We've done that for years. And Mason Greenwood is one of the best academy talents I've ever seen. And it hasn't surprised me at all that he is smashing it in the first team. Um this kid, he, he's one of those kids that you can just tell there's something special about him. It's not just his ability, what he can do. It's his kind of aura about him, isn't it? He knows what a player he is. Um, and what I'd also like to say, I give massive kudos to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, for his development of Greenwood so far. We've spoken in previous podcasts about perhaps how the Premier League um, playing in England, players can be rushed. Um, they're not allowed time to develop. I think Solskjaer has gotten gr- as good um, as done the job perfectly for Greenwood so far. He's given him enough minutes. He's played in the first team. He's also taken him out the firing line. He hasn't necessarily played him as the Man United number nine all the time, which is a big shirt to have, even though he is a number nine. So he sometimes played him off the right. Um, He hasn't relied on him for the goals. So Greenwood's been allowed to develop at his rate. Uh, And it's not to say that Greenwood couldn't cope with being Man United's number nine. I think he probably could because he's that level of talent and it looks like that level of uh, mentality. But I think Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit for how he's developed him, don't you? Oh, mate, a million percent. And and I'm
1: really glad to see that um, he's having this success and really glad to see that uh, Solskjaer's having this success as well because, um, yeah, hopefully people people get off his back a little bit. But what a great, um, what a great striker to learn from or manager to learn from in, in Solskjaer. So I think Greenwood's going to pick up loads of stuff from working closely with uh, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being a, a master goal scorer that he was. Yeah. But the kid just looks like, it just looks easy for him. And he yeah. never looks, you know, sometimes you see a young lad score a goal and there's sort of, it's a mixture of excitement and joy and disbelief. Um, I remember <laughs> actually right at the start of the season, if you remember uh, Dan James, when he scored uh, his first goal for Manchester United. I don't know if you can remember that far back, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Quite a while ago now, and uh, his celebration was really amazing—a great thing to behold. You know, this young player achieving his dreams, scoring for Manchester United—unbelievable. Uh, you don't get that from Mason Greenwood because yeah. he just looks like he expects to score every yeah. time he plays. So when he hits the back of the net, he's like, "Yeah, of course." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah. like this guy just does this. This is, this is what he does. This is what he's going to carry on doing. I think, um, yes, it, I know you've got a theory about him being uh, possibly the best finisher in the league. Um,
0: in terms of the art of finishing, I think he's, yeah, I think he might be, he could well be the best finisher. Uh, maybe too early to say that. Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero, etc. have something to say about that. Yeah. Definitely one of Um But I'm, I'm, yeah, not. I can't say that for goal scorer yet. It's far too early. But in terms of the actual skill of finishing, he could well be. And if you're any striker out there nowadays, I would actually urge you to watch Greenwood ahead of any other striker because Greenwood is one of those players that has mastered the shift and shoot with little Mm -hmm. backlift. I see, I see pro teams training nowadays, and I see pro strikers training so often, and I'm like, what are you playing at? The drills, where is realism? Where is realism? You're taking a touch. That goes two or three yards away from you, and then it's maybe a second before you strike the ball. That's too long. You don't get that time. Look at how Greenwood strikes the shot. Look at how quickly he takes the last touch. Sorry, look how when he takes the last touch, and then how quickly he gets the shot away with a little yeah. backlift.
1: So off there's a reason why,
0: off both feet, and there's a reason why Greenwood scores a lot of goals where maybe it isn't hit with the most phenomenal power or pace, but it's hit with superb direction. He has that radar that I call it, that natural. Na- instinct for knowing where the area should be hitting Um, he can hit it with absolute pace he can but he will score a lot of goals where it maybe isn't hit with so much pace but because he's able to take the shot so quickly the keeper can't get themselves set and he's so accurate with it that it just goes into the the net into the corner or whatever. In
1: terms of his uh, lethalness in front of goal um, he reminds me of I know you've got a different opinion but he reminds me of Robbie Fowler so um, I remember when Robbie Fowler first burst onto the scene with uh, with Liverpool years and years ago. And it's um, just like a clinical finisher, yeah. you know, pre- predominantly from his left foot, which was a, a beauty of a left foot, a real wand of a left foot. Um, but that was the word I would use, clinical. So yeah. you never look fast. You never look rushed. There's a real goal scorer, proper goal scorer. Uh, this is what Greenwood reminds me of, um, except... I don't want to speak too soon. I mean, Fowler scored like 160 Premier League goals, but Greenwood seems to be able to do it off both feet. So I think he's the real deal. I think he's
0: going to be around for a long time. I think he's got a huge future. Agree. The other player I want to speak about is Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. Now for me, this guy, he got so much underserved criticism when he joined Chelsea and during the season. And I don't, I don't know why, to be honest, because this is a kid that is a supreme dribbler. He's one of those players that can change pace on the ball, accelerate, decelerate, um, but the ball doesn't change how he runs. He's so technically gifted. The ball's glued to his foot. Um, And also what I think, I think he has the capability to be a consistent goal scorer. I think he has that aura about him to be assertive in front of goal. And if I look at the, you know, and I actually think that Lampard's got his development spot on as well, to be fair. There were times when he's been a starter, doing well. There's been times when Lampard's taken him out of the firing line um and taking the heat off of him. Um so this is a player that I think is a supreme talent, has a lot of potential as a goal scorer, not just a creative dribbler that can um create space, but as a goal scorer that can then utilize um space. Um, and I think he has a lot of potential and he got a lot of undeserved criticism this season and fair play to him for the first season he's had in the English league because this is his first season. He's still a young man and he's you know I think More often than not, performed very, very well.
1: Yeah, I think it's exciting. He's he's now look. People forget that he's he's seen as the the number one player out of the uh, out of the US, which is you know that's a it's a pretty big responsibility. They've been trying to get it right for years. Uh, They've always got one guy that they pin their hopes on, and at the moment, it's Pulisic. I think he's still only 21, so you know he's no mug. He's come from Dortmund. Uh, He probably deserved a little bit more respect when he arrived in terms of what the pundits uh, were expecting to see and the fans, whatever. Okay, he didn't hit his stride straight away. But now, now he's really coming into his own. He's found his feet. He's settled in the league. Um, he started to add goals on a consistent basis as well, which is really, really great. And I think we should allow young players to flourish um, and not put them under this under this undue pressure. We expect young players to be inconsistent. Um, so yeah, I think he's... Look, I think he's going to be a key part for them next season. They've made amazing signings in, in terms of Ziyech and Werner. They've been linked to Kai Havertz. If I'm um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, I'm worried because uh, I see Pulisic as being key to that team going forward. Um, They they can't all play. So, (laughs) (laughs) and the way that Pulisic is
0: playing, um, he looks like he's grabbing it with both hands. There's a lot of options, that's for certain. Before we wrap up... um... They're not quite the Premier League yet, but I know But it's looking more and more likely. Richard, I know you want to talk about Leeds United and Marcello Bielsa. Yes, I do, mate. Yes, I do. Which ties in a little bit with with our whole chat about uh, Mourinho.
1: Um, yeah, so they they finished this week off with, uh, they've had two wins on the bounce, really big wins. They they smacked uh, Stoke 5-0 and uh, they squeaked a really, really good victory uh, 1-0 away at Swansea. Yeah, late, late goal. Um, I- uh, late late goal but I, I'm really excited for them I, I, I yeah look I, I'm a look I shouldn't say it about one team in particular but I really do hope Leeds go up I think they only need four points yeah. to seal it now I think they are massive... four
0: points in their three games left year to be automatic
1: uh, yeah that that'll put them up there um, West Brom still have a little way to go but I'm excited for them they came so close before um, it's for two reasons one um, for me, growing up, Leeds United was a Premier League club, and I think they still are. They ju- they need to be back in the league. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I-, I remember big games between you know Leeds and Man United. That's that's a big fixture. Uh, so I'm looking forward to to hopefully them coming up. And the second reason, probably a bigger reason, is to see Bielsa uh yeah. managing in the premier league because now you know we've got Klopp, we've got Guardiola, lampard's making a name for himself we've got some great managers in this league Mourinho's on that list as well arteta's doing i think there's going to be some good stuff coming out of him and then you know some great managers if we add into that marcelo bielsa as well who's influenced uh, so many managers yes and you know is is called el loco for uh for good reason I think it can only add to the excitement of the league. So I'm I'm rooting for Leeds United. They're doing a great job so far. They're almost there. Hope they can get over the line um, because that will be...
0: Well, I just want to see Bielsa come up against Mourinho. That's going to (laughs) be He's one of my favourite managers of all time. I'll always remember his athletic Bilbao side, in particular the game they played at Old Trafford um, versus Man United a few years ago. I mean... It's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in any game of football. It was because they were massive underdogs, you know, when you're considering the stature of the clubs, of course. Um, but they just, Man United just didn't know what to do. They just couldn't deal with their aggression off the ball, their quality and attacking play on the ball, creativity, um, beautiful football in the t- traditional sense. Uh, and, you know, what Bielsa can, What is what I admire about Bielsa so much is that he's able to get this this kind of football from perhaps teams and players that really I don't want to say don't have a right to play this football, perhaps are they're not? He's never managed really in Europe the greatest sides, I and mean, this is a style of football that you would expect from the greatest sides. But he can bleed this kind of football, this kind of passion and energy and creativity and attacking play from players that perhaps aren't as typically good as the other teams in the league or in Leeds United sense, obviously not a Premier League team, um, but he's able to get it from them. And if I'm a Premier League team next season, I want to avoid Leeds United in the first five or 10 games when they are right at their pump in terms of energy levels, in terms of ideas and freshness. Um, I think my prediction is that Leeds United get promoted and at the start of next season, my prediction is that they are... Well within the top half of the table after oh, yeah. the first ten games, they're going to catch teams cold. They're going to come yeah. at them like a whirlwind. Yeah. You know he's going to have
1: a plan. I hope it doesn't tail off because he's done that a few times with his teams. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They press hard. They're really, really like exciting to watch going forward. A uh, bit chaotic at times. Yeah. But it's it's never a dull watch. Or it's certainly really a dull watch. I would urge anyone if you get the chance to look up, um, find the games on YouTube. They're easily found. Uh, Manchester United against Athletic Bilbao from the Europa League a few years back. I think it was 2012. They beat them 2-1 over in Spain, and then they repeated it. They beat them 3-2 at Old Trafford. And this was a team with um, uh, Munyain and Herrera uh, before he signed for yep. Manchester United. Terrific young talent at the time. Uh, Fernando Llorente. Yep. Uh, just a top, top side. And they just... yeah. Man United didn't see it coming. And... Um, completely played off the park really fantastic game so look that one up guys and if, if we're, we're really rooting for Bielsa to come up and, uh, and maybe poke a few teams in the
0: eye in yeah. the big league as well before we end this discussion I love the I just want to say I love the risk that he plays with and the tactical innovation I remember one one game and I don't think I've ever seen a team do this or I don't think I ever recall a team doing this to a Pep Guardiola Barcelona side so Pep Guardiola's Barcelona I mean the greatest sides I've ever seen ever um, but he went man-to-man marking against a Pep Guardiola Barcelona side. And I can't mm. remember the result. I need to research it again and look at the game. But it's one of the most fascinating watches I've ever seen. And he went man-to-man marking against a Pep Guardiola Barcelona side. You have to be so courageous to do that. Um, no, just a, a phenomenal manager um, and a phenomenal football brain. And... That has wrapped up this conversation nicely. Uh, Richard, I've really enjoyed today's podcast, especially after the win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm quite glad we had technical problems from the other day, man. It wasn't great. Yeah, you know, what? I don't know if it was a good thing, you know, because now people might just (laughs) say, well, you're just doing this because you've won nowadays. Well, no, we we promised. We said the exact same things on Thursday after the drab 0-0 versus Bournemouth. We did say the same things, but either way, um, no, I enjoyed this one.
1: Yeah, really good, mate. I, I think, look, I stand by what we said. I don't think yep. Mourinho's done at all. Whether we still finish 10th or not, I still don't think he's done. I think he's got a lot to yep. offer. He's a big manager. He's been around a long time. Done it at various levels. I still think he's he's good at what he does. So, yeah, let's see Let's see what um, the rest of the season brings. And um, we'll probably lose 5-0
0: next week and <laughs> 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 look really daft. But there we go. <laughs> all that's left for me to do is say thanks to Richard. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay safe. See you soon.